Welcome to Dare a New Belief, a place to discover what is possible for your life after the loss of a loved one, and where you will find inspiration, insight, support, and love, and hopefully a bit of laughter to help you through your day. Now, here's your host, Nada Hogan. Welcome to Dare a New Belief, where you will find light and life, love and joy, healing, faith, and hope a place where you get to believe what is possible for your life. And today I have the great honor to have with me Sue Borgerson. Sue lives in Lakeville with her husband. She has three children. Her two youngest children were in a car accident in 2008. And thankfully her youngest survived and is doing well. Her middle, child, her middle child, Kayla, did not survive the accident. Kayla do- donated organs, eyes, and tissue. Since then, Sue has presented to driver's ed classes, rotary clubs, and health professionals about the importance of donation. She is also the chapter leader for Compassionate Friends in the southern suburbs of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Compassionate Friends is an international organization helping parents, grandparents, and siblings cope as bereaved families. Welcome, Sue, and thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story. Yes, thank you, Nada. Ah, I'm I'm so grateful that you're here because this is a hard subject, and this is this is something you and I have in common. So. Um, I didn't know Sue prior to um, last week was the first time that we met. And um, yeah, and she she's a beautiful soul and lost her daughter in a car accident also. And, and Sue, that, that's what this conversation is going to be about because as parents and as mothers, like how does a person ever recover from that? How is it? Because you have gone on to live this beautiful life honoring Kayla, honoring your family. And, and that's one of the questions that people have is like, how can you do it? How do you do that? So I would like to start this um, interview because it's our inner selves we're talking about (laughs) with asking you if, if you can share with us that event that led up to that car accident that took Kayla's life. Well, it was a Wednesday evening, November of 2008. I was with my husband and my older son, Kyle, and we were waiting for the two girls to meet us. We got a phone call about six o'clock at night saying that they had been in a car accident. So we drove home as this accident happened about 100 feet from our front doorstep. Uh, I remember the scene very well. I remember the policeman telling us to get a friend or neighbor to drive us to the hospital, Um, so we did. They took Katie to HCMC via ground ambulance and Kayla was airlifted to HCMC. They were 17 and 15 at the time. 17 and 15. Katie is your, Katie is your other daughter. Katie is the surviving daughter, correct? She's the youngest, yes. Okay, and so, and this is, this is one of the things that we talked when we visited in person, we spoke for, I think it was three hours and so many things to talk about. And when I left, I remembered thinking to myself, what is it, what is it like for you to drive home? And, and please know at any time, Sue, if any of these questions are like, no, I don't want to answer, please just let me know that. 
um, because I want to honor where you're at um, and, and what you want to share. But I was wondering, because with my daughter, she's at a major intersection in one of the suburbs south of the Twin Cities, and I go through that intersection often. And I always think about my daughter when I'm there. I mean, in a, not in the most pleasant ways. And I wonder, because when this accident happened 100 yards from your door, I mean, how, how is that for you now when you are driving home and, and you drive through that space, through that area? Yeah, sometimes it's tough. It was really tough in the beginning. Um, I drive through that intersection. I say the shortest prayer I can. I say, God bless you, Kayla. Um, and you know, because Katie survived, she, we talked about moving and she really did not want to move. She liked her school. She liked her friends. She liked her neighborhood. She liked the house. And when you're so grateful that Katie survives, you listen to that. Um, I, I did say to my husband, I said, if we have to stay here, I need something positive and I would stare at that intersection and finally one day it hit me I told my husband I said when we look out that at that intersection we know that that is the place where our little girl left this earth and went to heaven mm, yeah and is that that positive piece with that intersection that you bring with you yes yes yeah, yeah. wow Wow. Because it, it's so powerful because as you know, the work that you do, um, because you do work with compassionate friends, and I know that you know of other people that, that haven't um, uh, come to terms with the loss of their child or a grandparent that hasn't come to terms with loss of the child. And to be able to see that this is the spot that when I look out my window and I see this in intersection, this is the place where my daughter went to heaven. And, and when that brings peace to a person, I mean, the healing just, I think, begins on such a level that that is um, exponential, right? That's how I would interpret that. Right, right, right. So, Sue, can you tell us how, how did this tragedy impact Katie since she was in the car with Kayla? Yeah, when um, Katie had her own brain injury, um, and so she has dealt with that over the past years, um, her testing shows that she scores low uh, for visual memory. So she rereads a lot, and she's also a slow test taker. Uh, interestingly enough, though, when she was in high school, still, she figured out that if she read her textbooks aloud at the kitchen table, her audio memory was just fine, and she only had to read it once. Um, so I think it's interesting how on her own, she came up with that. And then in high school, she was granted extra time on tests. And in college also, the college she went to was small and they granted her extra time if she ever needed it on tests. She never had to use it in college. Um, she said once that it felt like just knowing that option was there, it relaxed her. And she said, I'm usually the last one out of the room, but I finished all my tests and she did very well in college too. So we're very proud of her. She graduated with a degree four years ago. Um, also in the accident, um, both girls were seat belted in 
but Kayla's head hit Katie in the mouth. And so Katie lost her top four teeth, a lot of jawbone, and damaged her bottom four teeth. And so she's had five surgeries at the Mayo Clinic. Um, the first one was bone grafting to rebuild the jawbone on top. And then she's had implant teeth since then. She had one surgery last fall to fix her broken nose, where they took cartilage from her ear and repaired her septum. So now her nose is is fixed as well. Wow. Wow. Yeah, amazing. Isn't that amazing? My gosh. And how how was she emotionally? How how did that impact Katie emotionally? Because I just can't imagine what that would be like to be in the car with your sister. Um, and I know there's all of the physical that happened, but how did she handle that emotionally? Yeah, you know, she she doesn't remember the accident. She doesn't remember three days. Um, I know, um, you know, we kind of dreaded coming home to that intersection. And I know one of the things Katie said early on is she was dreading coming home and looking at Kayla's empty room. Mm. Um, but she has done some things to honor her. I, I've seen her in her room going through her things and um, she loved wearing her clothes and they always wore each other's clothes and they had a pact between them that if somebody complimented you, you had to say it's Kayla's shirt or it's Katie's shirt. I love it. <laughs> and she did that after the accident. She picked out her favorites and wear, would wear those shirts or sweaters and would tell people that it was, you know, Kayla's shirt or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've seen her take pictures of things in her room that she never wants to forget. Um, I think overall, um, she's, she's doing well, you know, mentally as well. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. So now 11 years have passed and, and Katie, she graduated college. So what is she doing now? Is she pursuing a career that she went to school for? Yes. She's working in marketing for a company. She's a very creative person and loves marketing. So that's what she's doing. Oh, that's so awesome. That is so awesome. So how was it, how was it for you? So, so I'm going to, I'm going to transition a little bit back um, to Kayla. And how was it for you that you were able to handle the passing of Kayla? Well, in the beginning, I was devastated. I mean, this is something that happens to other families, not, not our family. Um, I just remember in the hospital praying for a miracle and, you know, we deserve that miracle. And I just really believed we were going to get that miracle. Um, So because they were able to keep um, um, get Kayla on a respirator, we did have some time in the hospital uh, with her while they were running all the tests to determine the amount of brain function that she had left. Um, So those were the hours that we would hold her hand and I would just pray for her to wake up or, you know, and, and some of the crazy things I did. I remember, um, I would say, I love you. And she wouldn't answer. And I remember screaming at her in the hospital saying, answer me back, answer me. And then the doctor came over and explained that, you know, she can't hear you right now. 
whatever your spiritual beliefs are, are yours to have, but she can't hear you. Um, so it was, it's really dark in the beginning and you wonder if you're going to survive this. How is our family going to survive? How can we go on living without Kayla? Um, you know, she's just a part of your family and you think that's going to be your family for life once you have children. Um, I think, you know, as, as I think too, in the beginning, there's this numbness and this shock. Um, and I think that's there for a reason. I think it helps you through some of those dark times um, until you can kind of get a grip on reality. Um, a lot of people do say, how how do you get through something like that? And I've said you get through it by faith, family, and friends, and in that order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And oh, my God. So I could just feel that pain when you're in the hospital and you are yelling at Kayla answer me when you're telling her that you love her. I mean, it's right. It's a parent's worst nightmare. And the whole knowing that this never would happen to me, this happens to other families. And, and, and it's just right. The whole world gets pulled out from underneath you. And I am in total agreement with you. I think that this beautiful body, how God has designed our mind, body, spirit, that when we have that kind of trauma and tragedy, that we just go numb, that we just, it's like autopilot to protect everything. It, it, it's almost like you're cocooned. It, at least for me, it, it, it felt like the arms of God just wrapped around you and you didn't have to do anything that, that, that is your protection because it's too much for a heart, literally for the heart to be able to handle that kind of, um, that kind of tragedy, that kind of heartbreak, that kind of, oh my God, how do I do this? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh, and I have to tell you again, just how grateful I am because I know, I know how painful this is and it, it opens up wounds. And I I just am so grateful that you are willing to be here with us and and to be authentic and honest um, on the pain and, and, and how this, how this was for you, man. How did it impact the rest of your family? So we talked about Katie. How about your husband and um, Kayla's older brother, Kyle? How how did that impact them? Yeah, I, I know we were all affected and everyone grieves differently. Um, I personally had a need to talk about it all the time. And the rest of my family would turn to me once in a while and say, okay, we've had enough Kayla talk now. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, they just weren't ready for that at the time. Of course, I worried about Kyle and Katie both and how are they going to handle it? Um, I can say Kyle was so helpful at the time he was living at home, um, taking some college courses. And I just remember anything that needed to be done, you know, I'll, I'll go do it. I'll go do it. And I think he needed to keep himself busy. Um And of course, with my husband, you worry about your marriage, what's going to happen here, how can we survive this, and how can we survive this well, because, you know, you want to go on and have a good life, you don't want to have a crappy life because this tragedy happened. Um, And and everybody grieves differently, I think, at different times. um, Maybe my husband or my son was a caretaker for me, or 
maybe at different times I was caretaker for my husband or Katie or Kyle. Um, you know, again, I think you get through it um, with faith and family and you just are so grateful for what you do have. Right. Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Cause the whole marriage piece, it's amazing how marriages will fall apart when there's a death of a child and, um, and, and that's just another tragedy that comes from the tragedy. So when you are able to keep your marriage together and hopefully it got even stronger, what a beautiful blessing that Kayla yeah. is able to give then too, right? Right. And, you know, I said, I felt this from the beginning. I feel like when this happens, what happens to your marriage, I feel like it accents the strengths in your marriage it accents the weaknesses both just come out very uh very bold um and in some ways though I would look at it and I would think even if my husband was, was hurting or I was hurting I just thought he's the one person on this earth who knows mostly what I'm going through right that, that was a help absolutely absolutely oh man so Kayla did something remarkable as a gift to others. Can you share that with us? Yes, Kayla was a registered organ donor. Mm -hmm. So she donated five organs to four people and she donated uh, her both eyes and tissue as well, any tissue that they could use. Wow, isn't that just incredible? And I know that there are stories that we're going to talk about um, because hopefully you will be able to come back and be with me again for next week's episode because I would like to talk about all of these things that happened um, with Kayla being an organ donor. There's so many beautiful stories that have come out of that and also what you do with Compassionate Friends. Can you tell us a little bit about Compassionate Friends and and how did you get introduced to it? So before what you're doing with it right now, but how did you get introduced to Compassionate Friends and how did that help you? Um, actually, Kayla had a classmate who died in a car accident a year and a half prior to Kayla. And that mother got a hold of me and came over one day and we talked and she told me about Compassionate Friends and how helpful it was to her and her husband and her family. Um, so we went probably two months after the accident and I think just little tips and tidbits and things that the seasoned bereavers in those sessions told us were very, very helpful. And it also, I can remember though, going to my first meeting and, and everybody introducing themselves and some people would say, you know, five years ago, I lost my son or 10 years ago, I lost my daughter. And I just thought, how does one survive for 10 years without their child? Um, but it, I think it really gave me a good perspective on, um, you know, the way people grieve is the right way to grieve and don't let anybody tell you any different. Um, so there was a lot of um, helpful things in those sessions and just and just being in a room full of other people who really understood um, compassionate friends is only for parents and grandparents and siblings who've lost 
uh, a child. So it was good to know that um, other people understood what I was going through and they were a big help to me. Right, right, absolutely. And isn't that something that when you when you go to the first meeting and you're hearing about people like five years out and 10 years out, and how did you do that? Because I had the same experience with my postman and I, I still don't know, he's no longer the postman, I think he's retired, but I still don't know how he ever knew, but probably two or three weeks after Dara's passing, which I find it's just the similarities, right, of of our girls, how we lost our girls, the ages, the time frame. Um, it's just amazing. Um, but he had said that he understood what I was going through because he lost his daughter to um, breast cancer three years, three years ago. And I remember thinking immediately, three years. Oh my God, in three years, I'm going to have it all together. I'm going to, I'm going to understand this. I'm going to like, my life will be okay again. And I just kept thinking three years, three years. And it's amazing how we hang on to that. Like, it was like, somebody had thrown me the, the, um, what do you call that? That little life circle thing to, yeah. to hang that buoy to hang on to that. If I can hang on for three years and even though he wasn't, I mean, he, he said, you know, he still grieves he, and he was crying as he's telling me that. But to me, it was just like, I can do it then. If you could do it, I know that I can do it. And it's, oh man, it, it, it's just, it, it's its own world. And nobody understands that world until you have been in that world. And I just admire you and the work that you have done because you've not done only just the work um, with Compassionate Friends, which we will get into more next week because we just don't have enough time now. We're going to start bringing this in for a landing. But you also do some work with uh, Life Source, which is all about organ donations. And so I would, I want to go a little bit deeper into that conversation. So as we're wrapping this up right now, Sue, could you share with the listeners how it is that they get in touch with compassionate friends? Because this is a nationwide program for bereaved parents, grandparents, and siblings. So it's, I don't know if it's worldwide, assume it, but for sure it really is. United States. It is international. It was actually started in the UK in the oh. 1960s. Um, it was started by a pastor who had two parishioners who'd lost a child and he connected them together and they sat at their connect at their kitchen table and felt that connection and started the organization of compassionate friends. Wow, I had no idea. That is fantastic. Okay, mm -hmm. so how would listeners be able to get in touch with Compassionate Friends if they need it for themselves or if they need to share it with a friend or a family member? Yeah, they have a website. It's www.compassionatefriends.org. Um, we happen to be in the South of the River chapter. We meet in a church in Apple Valley every third Tuesday of the month. Um, the website I mentioned has a lot of information for bereaved parents. Um, and then they also have where you can drill down and get specific to our chapter and find out address and meeting times and location and all of that. Um, the, the, the website really is chock full 
of good information um, for bereaved families. Awesome. Awesome. And that information will be in the show notes. So if you weren't able to write that down, if you're driving or you didn't have a chance to write that down, it will be in the show notes. So you'll be able to have access to it. So people listening know that that information will be available for you. So Sue, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up by just telling you how grateful I am um, that you touched my heart when we first met. I I feel like I know Kayla through you, and I think that's the most beautiful gift that we can give our children to allow them to live on by, by honoring them and carrying them forward. And um, if you can come back and join me for next week, I would love to have you because there's so much more I want to talk about about Kayla and you. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Nada. All right. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you listeners for being here with us today and make sure you join us next week so you can hear the second part of the conversation that Sue and I have about coping with loss after losing a child. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for spending time with us today. Please go to nadahogan.com for show notes and other information you can use right away. If you like what you heard here, Please subscribe to our show and don't forget to rate and review right there on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. We'll see you next week.